And I remember just looking at everyone being like, wow, we got here. We did this. We did this all ourselves, you know? I mean, yes, a lot of people helped us along the way and supported us, but like we did it. The two of us did it. And in that moment, I remember that being like the first time I like gave ourselves credit for all that we had accomplished so far, which was um, already several, I think four years in, in business. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sanira Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who have made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so that you can do it too. You're a real business now. Class is officially in session. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Sanira Madani, and I am so excited for today's episode to introduce you to another incredible entrepreneur, Stephanie Carton. And Stephanie um, is just a dynamite CEO of a social agency called Socialfly. And uh, she also is the co-host of a podcast that you more than likely listen to. It's called Entrepreneistas. And Stephanie is also a new mom and is running a successful company, running this podcast, and also uh, running her mom life. And I'm so excited to share her journey to the 2% Club with all of you today. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to share my entrepreneur journey with you and your audience. I'm so pumped. How does it feel to be sharing your entrepreneurial story where um, you also co-host a very similar podcast uh, learning about other successful female entrepreneurs? Yeah, it's interesting because I spend most of my time in your seat interviewing others. So I'm excited to share my journey with everyone because it's definitely been quite a long road and we have learned so much along the way. And that was actually the reason why we started our podcast because we wanted to share founders' journeys just like you're doing right now. So I think it's incredible that you have now launched this podcast. No, I'm, I'm so thrilled. Stephanie, let's get started. I think, you know, one of the first things I always like to dive into is I'd love to hear about your background prior to entrepreneurship, what you were doing, what was happening, and how you kind of took that risk to invest in yourself. Yeah. So if we're going to go back in time, I have to go back to my childhood days because I do believe I was a born entrepreneur. I was always selling something when I was a child. But what's interesting is that I was always figuring out like what was trending when I was younger. So from, you know, friendship bracelets to beanie babies to pugs, I was always in on the latest craze and trend and then would find a way to, um, you know, sell it to my community and, and make money from it. So it really is definitely in my DNA. Um, but after uh, high school, I went to Cornell and and studied hospitality and business management at Cornell. And while I was studying at Cornell, that's actually when Facebook first launched. So it was my sophomore year at Cornell. And I remember getting access to this platform. And back then it was called thefacebook.com. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. You know, it was pretty exclusive to um, a certain number of colleges when it first launched. And we thought we were like the coolest people ever that we got access to this new platform. But I remember thinking back then, 
wow, this might change everything that I'm learning about in college, but I wasn't sure how it was going to develop and change back then. But I knew I just wanted to stay on the forefront of everything that was happening with this platform. So fast forward, I graduated from uh, Cornell and I first went to go work for Marriott doing sales and marketing down in Orlando, Florida. And this is back, gosh, when did I graduate college? In 2006. Um, And then I moved up to New York in 2008 and started working for another hospitality company doing sales and marketing. And while I was there, you know, social media had really started to pick up momentum. This is now back in like 2008. And I just stayed on the forefront of everything that was happening with social. And I remember knowing like this was going to change the way of the future. So I had a couple of friends who were starting businesses um, and I started consulting with them on the side of my full-time job because they were asking me for sales and marketing advice. And again, I started telling them, this is going to be the way of the future. You really need a social strategy for your business. So I started taking on a few clients on the side of my full-time job and quickly realized it was not an after-work activity. It could be an actual business. So my business partner, Courtney, and I, um, we met through a mutual friend who's also an entrepreneur. And we decided to partner together on the side of our full-time jobs, taking on clients. And after about 10 months of working nights and weekends together and also doing our you know, full-time hustle as well, we realized if it was ever going to be a real business, we either had to go all in or just not do it at all. So Courtney and I quit our corporate jobs on May 4th of 2012, and we never looked back. So that is the short, the short version of sort of how it all happened and what I was doing prior. That's so incredible. I love that you kind of always stayed like at the forefront of it and just kind of knew in your gut, right? Like that was like always your instinct. You're like, I got to stay on top of this. I know this is going to be big. And you started helping friends. You started uh, validating it by honestly having a side hustle. And I think that's a really great place for people to begin. And I think, um, when you know like your, your side hustle is like where your passion is and you're seeing revenue come in and that's when like you kind of have to like make that decision of are you going to go all in or is it always going to be a side hustle? Um, and that's kind of where that, you know, you need that confidence boost and there's a lot of risk, but at the same time, like you had it validated um, and that's important to have as well. I see many entrepreneurs that um, haven't even validated their idea, right? And they're just like, okay, here, I'm going to go do this, which is which is fine. And it does work out for some. Um, but I think that those that have kind of proven out an MVP, proven out that they can get customers to pay for it, even if it's on a small scale, do end up having incredible success. Uh, and especially when they do go all in, because if they're able to have that success while working nights and weekends, um, imagine the success that they can have when they go 100% full-time. Yeah, absolutely. And look, back then in you know 2010, we're talking about social media is not what it is today, where brands know they have to have a social media strategy now. Um, it's just a given for basically every single business. But back then, you know, it was not easy to convince brands that they needed to pay for this. You know, brands would say, oh, we can just get an intern to do this, or my niece is yeah. home in the summer, they can help with this. And we really had to sell social media back then and prove why it was so vital to their business. So things have definitely changed over the years, um, obviously for the better for our business, because you know brands and companies, everyone sees that it is a necessity for, for business now. 
It it absolutely is. And so tell me, so when you, um, so you and Courtney in 2012 launched the company, said you never looked back. Can you walk me through, you know, how you guys went from taking the side hustle? Like what were the challenges of kind of scaling up? It was just the two of you. Um, take me back to some of those early days. I love talking about the early days of my company, Fat Merchant, all the time. I'm just like always nostalgic of, of uh, like how much we've grown, but all the challenges that we've learned from. So if you can kind of take me back, uh, you know, to that time in New York when in 2012, when you guys launched, what were some of the things that you first did or what were the, some of the first um, growth milestones or challenges maybe even that you guys faced? Yeah, it's so interesting, right? And it's it's very nostalgic to think back to 2012 now. I like to say, oh, the simpler times in the early days when yeah. we're so naive and just trying to figure everything out. Um, and I actually think it's good when you go into business and you don't know what you don't know and figure things out along the way. It's definitely great, great learnings because a lot of times I'll say, oh, had we known all of this and everything we had to do, would we have done this? Would we have taken the leap? And I don't know. So I like that we were naive in the beginning and really had to hustle and figure everything out. So um, I'm going to take you back to literally the week we quit our corporate jobs. So we gave in our two weeks notice. Our last day in our corporate office was May 4th. On May 5th, we went out and celebrated that evening. And then that Monday, uh, we set up shop in my apartment at the time on the Upper West Side. We got out some... um, what are those big sheets of paper called with the big boards (laughs) and started writing out our plan on there? (laughs) And the legal, the legal yes, paper, the giant legal pads, yes. And we started writing out our plan to get new business, how we were going to divide and conquer our responsibilities in the business. Um, and we knew the first thing we should do was that summer, because it was now May, was to find some interns who would be able to help us. So we put out an ad on Craigslist. We started interview, phone interviewing interns over the phone. We were able to get, it was either five or six interns that first summer. We then started um, you know, networking with just our initial network of family and friends who we knew um, to see if we could find some office space because we realized after a couple of days working in my small apartment, it was just not going to be the right setting and would interns want to show up to my small apartment? So Courtney uh, called her family friend who owned a printing company in Manhattan and told him about the business that we had started. And he said, come on down. I'm going to give you some office space. Just help me with my social media. So we're like, oh, this is how this works. We can do a little bit of bartering because our services are valuable. So Frank from Print Tech gave us our first little office space in the corner of his printing company. So now we had enough room to fit six chairs all lined up next to each other. Um, And all of our interns showed up a couple weeks later. And we really just, we got to work. And I focused on, from the beginning, we divided and conquered our responsibilities. So my focus was on sales and marketing. So I've always been responsible for new business and marketing the agency. And Courtney has always been responsible for finance and operations. Uh, so Frank um, from Printech also told us that we should join this networking group called BNI. Have you heard of BNI before? You know what? I swear to God, our stories are about to be the exact same, by the way. That's yes, so I've heard of BNI. I would literally show up, and that is how I got probably my first 50 customers yep. at Fat Merchant, was a weekly breakfast with like other salespeople all selling to each other primarily. Yes. So that's how we got our first clients. So we joined BNI and it was the most exciting thing for me because again, I mean, I was, gosh, how old was I at the time? 
I've, I've lost track of the years. Um, I'm about to be 36. So I was 27. I've lost track, but I, you know, young, hungry, didn't have any other responsibilities besides taking care of myself. Didn't have a family at the time. If I needed to wake up at five 30 in the morning to get to this meeting, I was there with the most energy and ready to sell our services. So we were able to get our first few clients through BNI. And to this day, you know, I still say, as, especially as a service-based business, it really is an incredible organization to hone your presenting skills, your networking yes. skills, learning how to give to others. Um, it, it was just such an important part of our journey launching the business and highly recommend, whether it's BNI or other networking groups or business groups to join, having community as an entrepreneur and having the ability to network and learn from others is just so important. So those are some of the first few things we did when we started the business. I definitely want to pause there and talk about that because I think that in our digital world today, it's so easy to get cooped up behind our computer. Anybody can launch a business in a matter of hours, right? Like we can, you know, do a quick website, a landing page, create, you know, some social handles and here, boom, you're in business. But I think what, you know, the art of actually having to show up somewhere and having to sell your services, present, you know, present your offerings, get feedback get rejected, right? Get up and do it again the next day. I think there's a huge power in in what you're talking about of even showing up. I mean BNI just says business networking international. It's a um it's like a it's a it's a it's a chapter that's almost in every single city. And there's so many different types of these networking groups out there. But I think like the what you what you're hitting on is so important and it's a good reminder for all of us that are listening and even in in my world today and even with all the growth but all the digital side that we have that it's important to build those connections, build those networks because they do like having that community support and having people around you, even in whatever capacity as you scale, um, has always proved to be beneficial. Absolutely. And I'm still super close with many of the members of that group from when we first started out. And we're not, um, we have someone else from our team who actually is still in the group today. We did leave for a couple of years and then had other team members join as we've scaled the business. And I've scaled my role in the business as well. Um, But those relationships that you form early on in your business with other entrepreneurs, uh, there's nothing like it. No, that's awesome. I'm really glad that you, um, you, you brought up that topic. So, you know, another thing is, um, you know, you have the power. I really love that you talked about dividing and uh, conquering responsibilities with your team, right? So you and Courtney were like, okay, we are going to split up responsibilities and here's what I'm going to contribute. And here's what she's going to contribute. And here's where we're experts and here's where we're going to stay in our lane. And I think that's super powerful as well. I think, um, you know, a power of a team is really, really powerful. So I'd love to to kind of, you know, uh, dive into that a little bit further of like how you grew your team um, and what was next for you with you and Courtney and how that was going for you guys. Yeah. So we'll go back to 2012. So now it's the end of the summer. Our five interns have now left and gone back to school. And now we have all of these clients that we signed and we realized we need more help. Who are we going to hire? What's going to be the next step? And as a new business that did not raise money, we were bootstrapping the business. We could only hire based on the retainers and the client retainers that we had. So when we first started bringing on um, employees, we realized that we couldn't bring on employees full time. We decided to start with independent contractors. 
So for, it was about the next year, the people that we brought on were contractors. And then after about a year, we realized that if we're going to be a real player in the agency world and we're going to be able to attract real talent, people do want to have uh, full-time positions and benefits. So then our next step was looking into something called a PEO. Um, The PEO that we ended up using at that time was a company called Trinet. So they were able to help us with like all of the back end HR, setting up people as employees, um, doing all of the the behind the scenes logistics. Um, And that was definitely something that was really helpful. So then we started bringing on employees full time. But again, it was really based on the client work. So we never hired people just to hire people and have more help. There had to be the actual work there. No, that's that's awesome. And then even outsourcing for help, right? So even have hiring a PEO group at that point was a really smart decision. I feel like we honestly have a very similar journey. Um, I also did the same, right? So we we actually hired on a uh, competitor of um, the, of Trinet. Uh, we're within Sparity, but um, very similar in terms of having that support to you know, get us through when I didn't have an HR department, I didn't have onboarding materials, I didn't have uh, the structure. And so even outsourcing and finding, uh, you know, finding agencies, finding um, the right uh, people, finding outsourced help that can really help you bridge those gaps on your team also counts as part of your team. Like I have a friend who's uh, launching an app right now. And she really feels like she needs a CMO. Like she needs to have a CMO to do this. And, you know, she was like, should I hire a CMO or should I hire this agency? And the advice that I gave her was to hire the agency because the agency for her for right now is going to be an entire team, right? They're mm-hmm. going to do the strategy. They're going to have the, they're going to have the social. They're going to have the expertise. They're going to have the product marketing. They're going to have an entire team, an army around her for marketing versus just one head of marketing. And so even if this one head of marketing is going to be awesome, it's going to add a ton of strategic value. She's not going to get the executioners, which she's also going to need as part of her growth. Then as she grows, she may outgrow the agency and then start bringing on those vital team members into her organization. But utilizing agencies and utilizing um, companies like that actually just expands your team to like an, a, a much exponential, uh, powerful team. Yep. Well, that's exactly why we have a business and why we have an agency. That's our pitch. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we all need to, to use Socialfly. So tell me, um, so now, you know, you guys, are, you know, grew, obviously grew insane. And part of your, you know, I love the, the teachings that you're saying is, you know, build your team, but don't just hire for the sake of hiring, right? You know, invest in the right people at the right time as you've kind of proven that growth out as well. Delegating and having your like right zones of genius and um, everyone working in their own lane. So you drive efficiency for the business, right? I always say, you know, for for teammates, one plus one should equal three. That's like something that I, I, every time we have a new hire, it's never just to add on that task or to delegate off something. If we're going to bring somebody on, it has to add strategic value on top of just the job description or something else just because we're busy or there's too many, um, um, you know, the processes are, uh, are, are breaking or something like that. Like we need to be able to add on that extra layer of efficiency that this human's going to bring in. Then it makes sense to add on that team member. So I really love that we talked about that. Absolutely. And I, I just wanted to share that 
Aside from BNI, we did end up joining another organization that helped teach us a lot of these things that we're both chatting about right now. And it was an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization, EO. We were part of an accelerator program. And that accelerator program, we joined before we hit a million dollars in revenue. And all of the learnings that we were able to derive from the meetings that we had and the forums that we were in, they helped set us up with a lot of these ideas and resources. So we learned how to scale to get to that first million dollars in business. So that's something we also did early on. I love it. And I love that you invested in things like that early. I think, um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the times it's an afterthought and it's, you know, it takes time, it takes dollars, it takes, um, time away, you know, from your business to work on your business. And it's definitely super important. Shannon and I, um, are actually, you know, we've just launched uh, 2.0, which is at, we're, our, we're on a mission to take women to the 2% club. And we've launched an accelerator, uh, for women at the six figure mark that we need, you know, we can help bring them to the seven figure mark. And we have programs that are for um, entrepreneurs at kind of every stage. And this is something that I have always found beneficial in my growth. And I wish that there was more of, but I also kind of, every time I've been part of these chapters, um, I also felt like um, being a female entrepreneur, I had different challenges and I felt like my challenges, um, I, you know, not that I didn't gain from a lot of these organizations, but I really wanted to be around other women that were doing same things that I was. And so I wanted to have like that sense of community around me. And so we're really focused on uh, bridging some of those gaps, but really being femme centered around female owned businesses. I love that. Yes. So, all right. So, you know, you're talked about, I heard the million dollar um, mark and I definitely want to pull on there. Um, you know, so you, you're out there, you're adding on customers, um, you are growing your team, you are, you know, networking and uh, growing, right? Adding to like your personal development and your company growth. When did you guys hit that million dollar the point? And did you guys even realize that, like, was that a target? Like, did that, did you guys celebrate that? What happened then at that moment? Yeah. So it was funny because I was thinking about this ahead of time and I asked Courtney this morning, I'm like, do you remember what year it was that we hit the million dollar? Mark, because I feel like so much has happened over the past couple of years, and especially over the past three months, you really lose track of a lot of these really important moments and milestones. But it was about our third year in business when we hit the million dollar mark. And when I say the million dollar mark, it was doing a million dollars in revenue in a single year. So we look at, you know, a million dollars in billings. We had already done that, I believe, by year two. But in terms of hitting the actual million dollar mark, in terms of revenue for that particular yeah. year, it was our third year. Um, and yeah, I remember we were, you know, super excited that we did it because part of that accelerator program that we were part of, the goal was to be able to hit a million dollars in revenue. So then you could then join another group after that. So we were super excited, but I feel like, especially in the early days in business, we were so like, go, 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 just keep going, just keep going. You know, you hit this milestone and then that's passed and you're on to the next thing. Um, the moment I actually remember sitting down the two of us and saying like, wow, we did this was when we moved to a new office, um, out of our, it was now our third office and, uh, it was, you know, four times more expensive than the office that we were renting before. And it was such a leap of faith and an investment. And we, you know, had a company help design the office for us and get everything set up. And we were just, sitting in Courtney's office one day, looking out through the glass at the entire team. And I remember just looking at everyone being like, wow, 
we got here. We did this. We did this all ourselves, you know, no one, I mean, yes, a lot of people helped us along the way and supported us, but like we did it. The two of us did it. And in that moment, I remember that being like the first time I like gave ourselves credit for all that we had accomplished so far, which was um, already several, I think four years in, in business. No, I think it's so important. I feel honestly, I feel like you're speaking to me because I feel it was the same thing for us. Like we were go, 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 go next milestone, next milestone. And I don't even remember actually celebrating. Like when I look back at that milestone, it's like such a huge milestone I've always dreamed of, right? Like every entrepreneur, I believe um, truly like, like this is a big milestone for us to cross. And it's definitely one that we have on our list, but we're so busy uh, with when, when you're actually about to, when you're actually hitting a million dollars in revenue, that's like the last thing you're thinking about because there's so much efficiency and scale happening all yeah. around you that you're actually so busy running the business, which is, which is, which is the beauty of it. But I remember when, um, like it, it, I, did, I don't even remember when it happened. And, and when you're talking about like your office was kind of that credit. I also felt the same way for me was when we had moved in, it was actually our third office as well. And it was a much bigger office. Our team was probably 20 at the time. Um, and it was like a huge, I felt like the space was a huge milestone for us because it was in the heart of downtown. It was like a really cool space. Um, and we were doing a build out for that office. And that was like probably the first time I felt like I, like we celebrated. And then from that moment, it was like, we missed a lot of these milestones and it's important. It's important to kind of keep going and go to like the next phase of it. But it's also like important to like stop and give yourself credit and, you know, acknowledge the fact that, you know, you've worked hard every step, like that four years, it didn't happen overnight, right? Like getting to that point was a lot of little milestones um, that I believe, um, you know, should be celebrated along the way. And it doesn't have to be the, um, I do think that some companies over celebrate, right? Like they celebrate every single thing. Um, but it's important to take that moment to give yourself credit and to say, Hey, we did do this. We have worked hard and there are successes in other ways besides just hitting a million dollars as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's really just part of the journey, right? Like it's really just celebrating through the journey. Yeah. So after you, you know, hit, you hit your milestone, when did the podcast happen? So you're growing the agency would love to kind of talk about what's next for you guys. Um, talk, you know, talk to me about the podcast, talk to me about your journey next. And, um, you know, after you hit it, was it like, okay, we're done. We hit a million, like let's, uh, retire. Oh no, <laughs> well, no. Was, well, you know, when you run a server space business, just cause you're doing a million dollars in billings, it doesn't mean that everyone's making all of this money. It's obviously very expensive to run a business and there's overhead and paying staff and expenses. So we were on to the next goal of $2 million and then $4 million and then $5 million. Um, the past two years, we've been on the Inc. 5000 list for fastest growing companies. And that was definitely an awesome uh, achievement that we're extremely proud of. And the other thing I can share is that with Socialfly as a marketing agency, we have always practiced what we preach. So everything that we share with our clients on how to run a proper marketing strategy and social strategy, we've always done that for our own agency. So we've always focused on our branding for Socialfly. Um, Courtney and I both both focus on our personal branding because as you know, as an entrepreneur, your personal brand is connected to your business uh, and being able to uh, have a personal brand and to connect with others and network with others, you're essentially selling yourself and selling your business. So 
we've always focused on our marketing for social fly and Back again, I forget what year this was, but whatever year Facebook Live first started, um, we decided to launch a social media Facebook Live show. It was called Social Live. So for about two, two and a half years, we did a weekly show every single Wednesday where we would go on Facebook Live and talk about all the trending news um, for businesses, for social media. We would have different guests. Um, We would talk about trending food topics and make it fun and interactive and engaging. And about the second year in, a lot of people started reaching out to us and said, you guys need to have a podcast. Podcasts were starting to get more popular. And we were like, no, no, no. We have our Facebook live show. And as a business owner, as you know, there's only so many things you can do in a given week, um, especially when you're still running and scaling an agency. So we put off doing this podcast. And then um, again, more people were reaching out saying, you know, we would we would love to see this as a podcast now. Facebook Live wasn't as popular anymore. So we started thinking about, you know, okay, people are asking for this medium. We also, over the years, have received so many uh, inquiries and requests from uh, female entrepreneurs who reach out to us asking for advice on how to grow and scale a business because of our success. And Courtney and I started to realize that if we were to go out to coffee with every single person who reached out to us, we would never have time to run the business. So how can we offer this advice at scale? And that's when we realized it was time to pivot from doing social live to launching our podcast where we share stories of female founders growing and scaling businesses. So we had this idea, gosh, it was back the middle of 2018, and we launched the podcast right at the end of 2018. It was November, and it just took off right away, and we have been doing it now for, again, I've been saying this throughout the podcast now, I've lost track of time, a year and a half, two years. (laughs) I guess it'll be two years in November. Uh, We've had some incredible guests on this show. And it's just so fun to, as you know, to interview other founders, hear about their journeys, you know, their struggles, what lessons they've learned along the way. And similar to how we're having this conversation and you're like, yes, I've been through this. I've been through this. It's like business therapy, right? (laughs) It is. It is business therapy. And I think that when you find like the really good podcast, you're like, I'm hooked. Like I'm always, and I just love founder stories. Like I think maybe as an entrepreneur, I am, I just love to hear um, and find like that other people are going through the same thing. And when you, it doesn't matter what business any one of us are in, it's still the same lessons. Like it's always the same lessons. It's always the same challenges. And so it's a great way to learn and grow through other people's journeys and other people's successes and mistakes as well. Um, I love it. And Entrepreneurista is like such an incredible, like, I'm just so um, just I'm honored that you're here with us today. And I'd love for, you know, I know our, so our audience, um, I'd love for you to kind of share. I mean, you are the social branding expert, right? And if you can share some like tactical tips for us on how we should be thinking about our social media pages for us personally, um, if we have a brand, I know a lot of the times it's really tough uh, to grow multiple pages. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and then also even launching a podcast. Cause I think, um, Many of our listeners also have incredible brands that, you know, they're like, should we launch a podcast? Shouldn't we? So I'd love to kind of deep dive into some marketing right now and pick your brain while we have you. Oh, I love it. Okay. My favorite topic. So let's talk first about um, tips and strategies for a business on social media. So what I've been sharing with brands, especially over the past couple of months, is you really need to think about your social media pages as a content destination. 
what type of content does your audience or community actually care about? And what type of content do they want to see every day that's going to keep them coming back for more content and more information. So if you, let's just talk about Instagram to start. So if you think about your Instagram account for your business as a content destination, the first step is actually chatting with your audience, asking them questions about what's actually important to them. So instead of just assuming, oh, my co- my audience wants to see X, Y, Z, ask them. You have those capabilities and functionalities on Instagram to have those one-to-one conversations. Not only can you just direct message people, especially if people start following you and have these one-to-one conversations, but there are tools on Instagram stories to be able to get instant feedback from your customers. So ask them what type of content they want, what's important to them, what's going to keep them coming back and create this content destination for your customers. Because if you stay top of mind with your customers and you're selling something, they're going to want to buy from brands that they view as a trusted resource. So that's my number one tip for brands on how to think about content. So now I'll shift and talk about building your personal brand on social media. And I can just share from my personal experience. So over the past um, two, three years, I really started to get very personal on my Instagram account. So yes, I'm a business owner, but I was also a business owner that was going through a really hard time trying to get pregnant, going through fertility issues, and then also trying to stay pregnant because I had a very complicated pregnancy. And when I was going through fertility treatments, before I started sharing publicly, I was searching on Instagram for other people who were going through something similar and watching their stories and listening to their experiences. And it was really helping me. And I realized, you know, if I start sharing what I'm going through, my journey might be able to help other people as well. So while I'm not saying that everyone needs to be sharing as a business owner on your personal brand, your, you know, deepest, darkest things that you're going through, what I can say is that when you are your authentic self on social media, people will connect to you. They will relate to you. They will be rooting for you in your journey and in and your story. And then if you're also sharing about your business as well on your personal accounts, people connect those two things together. So it really does help to build your brand. So I know the word being authentic and authentic authenticity, I feel like it's just so like cliche now, like, oh, be authentic. But it really is true. Like you have to be vulnerable and be yourself for people to really be able to connect with you and relate to you and want to follow you and follow your journey and story. So those are my, you know, two big tips about personal branding and um, building your building your business brand. It's so good. I'm like, I'm loving it, loving it. And it's so true. I mean, something that I always say is like, however I show up online is how I show up offline. So like, you're going to get like, whatever is happening uh, for me online is what is my offline life as well. And I think that that is what people relate to. It's the whole um, package, you know, and all the great people that, you know, I follow, you follow, um, people that follow us can really see that. Right. And I think that's really what they connect to. And, and I do think that, um, like businesses also can have that authenticity, right. That extra layer of transparency, and it goes above than just this, any other agency that they could hire. Right. When you get to know the humans behind a brand, 
you feel, um, you know, you feel the values come through of the business, right? And I think that is probably the biggest powerful thing in any sales capacity, or, you know, even when we're thinking about um, how you show up as a brand, it's really, if you can show the values that you stand for as a business, it doesn't really matter the product that you sell. Absolutely. People do business with people that they like, trust, and want to hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a question that I have for you for, um, you know, our audience that has, uh, you know, an online business and their business is predicated on their personal brand. So they may be digital influencers. I know you work with a lot of influencers, um, business experts, coaches, um, nutritionists, and then their, their personal page is their brand. Do you recommend building a separate business brand? What is your take on like the growth of two brands? Because obviously Instagram growth is it's challenging and it's always changing. Um, What are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, I really do think it depends on the type of business that you are. And also if you are going to continue to stay the face of your business and how you want to scale it and also what your business is called. So in some instances, like if you're building a lifestyle business and, you know, let's say you're a nutritionist and you only are trying to grow your business to, you know, uh, whether it's a certain dollar amount or you're, you don't want to hire other people, you're really not trying to grow this like big scalable business, it might make sense for you just to have the one page that's based on your personal brand. But if you are looking to build something that's bigger than just yourself and the name of your business is not your, you know, personal name, um, then it might make sense to have your own personal business page and then also a branded page for your business as well. But I really think you have to look at it on a case by case basis. You also have to think about the resources that you have, the time that you have, your budget. You can also, as I always say, test and learn. You can mm-hmm. have having a business account and see if um, that's working for you. And if it's not, you know, maybe you don't put the time and resources into that. You just build it off your personal account. So the answer is, I think it really just does depend. No. And I, I think, I think you're right. It really does depend on the goals of the business and like how big the, the, the business brand, um, goals are. I, I, I do agree with that. Cause if you're, well, you're um, going to sell, if you're going to sell your business one day, um, are you going to sell your, you know, business, your personal social media accounts with your business? So you really have to think long-term about what your plans are and what it could be. Because you could have a personal business, a personal, I'm sorry, a business account for your brand that maybe it's not active, but you have it as a landing page. If people are searching for the name of your business, again, if it's not your personal name, and then you just focus the marketing with your personal account. But again, like I said, you have to, there's a lot of different things you have to weigh. Yeah. And so, you know, another thing, while we have a couple more minutes, I want to ask you is since you've always been ahead of the social trends, what's next, right? So what's your take on what's happening um, in social media? What should we be paying attention to other platforms? What are other avenues that you absolutely believe in um, that we should be thinking about? So for brands and businesses that are looking to reach uh, Gen Z and also are looking to reach moms, I would definitely be paying attention to TikTok right now. There are great marketing opportunities on there, not only with their advertising platform, which it's fairly inexpensive to advertise right now, but also working with these TikTok influencers. I mean, I'm talking about you can get millions of views um, and impressions on your brand uh, by doing these viral influencer programs on TikTok. So I would definitely be paying attention to that. Can I say that TikTok is definitely going to be around forever? 
I'm not quite sure, but I can tell you right now, there are so many eyeballs there that if you have a brand or business that is looking to reach again, this younger, younger demographic, but also moms, parents, because they're on there because their kids are on there right now, I would definitely pay attention to that. Um, I think, again, we've been talking about video for the past couple of years, how important video is. It's still important and it's going to remain very important. People are consuming so much video every single day on their phones. So thinking about what your video strategy is for your business. And then again, going back to what I was saying before, thinking about your social media channels as a content destination for your brand and building real community for your business. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, on, I mean, I'm on TikTok. I am absolutely obsessed with TikTok right now. And for as a consumer of TikTok, but also I'm excited for where it's going to go for me as a content creator because I just think it's just so fun. Um, and I'm a mom, like it's, it's so like you nailed it. Like I'm literally a mom in my thirties that I'm like obsessed with watching other moms in their thirties talk about like how hard mom life really is. You go down a rabbit hole with these videos. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I just watch 30 videos? I know. I know. Well, awesome. Stephanie, this has been so informative. I'm so glad that I got to um, interview the queen of interviews and learn about your personal story and um, the journey behind Social Fly and Entreprenista. Um, and I know that our audience definitely had so many great takeaways uh, from your journey. And I'm so glad that you were able to just uh, you know, shower us with your zone of genius in marketing and branding and social and everything that's next for that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, this has just been so incredible. And if you can just share um, where we can find you, um, your handles that we can follow, and if there's anything that we can do to support your journey um, I'd love, uh, I know our audience would love to support you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me and allowing me to, to share my journey and story. And I hope it was helpful for those of you who were able to listen to it today. So I'd love to connect with each of you. Uh, you can reach out to me directly through social media. My personal Instagram handle is at Steph Jill Carton. And you can also reach out to us at socialfly at socialfly and on entrepreneurs at entrepreneurs. And then our business website for SocialFly is socialflyny.com. So if anyone is looking for any type of assistance with your marketing strategy, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to provide a you know complimentary 15-minute consultation with myself or someone on my team and ha- happy to get you guys going in the right direction. So please feel free to reach out to me directly. That's so awesome. Thanks for that. And thanks for that generosity. So excited that you were here and I'll, I'll make sure to have all of this in the show notes for all of you. So you can go, uh, follow along, um, Stephanie's journey and follow social fly. All right, ladies, thanks so much for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us at CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes that you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building million dollar businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love the show, screenshot the review, and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way. This episode is brought to you by The Icon Method. If you're a service-based entrepreneur, 
a designer, nutritionist, photographer, educator, and you feel like the only way to make more is to work more, this is for you. The ICON method is our proven playbook to win back your time with passive income. It stands for ideation, creation, optimization, and niche. Here's the deal. We love running big businesses, but don't believe that your business should run you. And there is a way that you can take your years of expertise and experience and turn it into six and seven figure programs that can change lives in your sleep. Our Icon alumni are running best-selling online courses, membership sites, and digital downloads across every industry imaginable. And we want to show you how to. If you've ever thought about launching a passive program, or maybe you're just curious what this could look like for you, go right now to ceoschoolpodcast.com slash icon. We have an incredible free guide taking you step-by-step through the whole process. This has been completely life-changing for so many women, and we want to invite you to dream bigger and expand your impact with this proven method. Again, that's ceoschoolpodcast.com slash icon.